Welcome, welcome, hello. This is That One Blank Friend. This is Sadia Rashid, your host. How are you guys doing? I am feeling good because we have a new president-elect. We have a new president-elect, and it is not who we have in office right now. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know, do I feel bad for people that voted for Trump? No. I'm happy. I'm happy that we will have a sense of of decency that we haven't had in the last four years. I'm happy that people like myself and other marginalized communities don't have to wake up every morning and be scared of what's happening in the world and really brace ourselves. I had people in my family cry. I think we were all collectively dealing with like PTSD and this election gave us a beacon of light. And now finally we have an adult in the room and we can all have these hard conversations and talk to each other in a way that we can actually hear each other. So for that, I'm grateful. The sun is shining differently. I feel like the air feels lighter. I feel like I can take a deep breath and not necessarily take my hands off the steering wheel, but the roads are a little easier to steer this week. So yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) I am grateful for all of that. You know, it's interesting. Today is my daughter's birthday. And four years ago, I went into labor right after Trump was elected. And then 36 hours later, she was born and we had a lot to be happy about. And so on this day, as she turns four, I am, as my mother would say, I'm most immensely happy that Biden will hopefully be the first president that she can say is her own and that Kamala can be a vice president in which she sees herself represented. And that matters. That matters. So I'm excited. Well, on that note, I am also super, super, super excited for our guest today, Matthew Boudreaux. He is Mr. Domestic. He is a sewist, a crafter, a designer, an anti-racist, LGBTQIA+, and best of all, he is Helena's dad. We are going to discuss his amazing, amazing, amazing crafting and sewing business and quilting business and how he has emerged as a real voice in that particular community and how he continues to not only just spread joy and positivity, because that is basically what he does. It's his catchphrase. It is his manifesto, but also how he has how he has been able to find his authenticity within the community and and also really using his voice to advocate for people who perhaps cannot advocate for themselves. So I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy this episode. And here we go. Here's Matthew. Hey, I'm excited. It's like a reunion. <laughs> okay. You know what? You you need to shoot me because I don't remember 
exactly how we met. I think it was the Kmart Jacqueline Hill thing. Unless that wasn't oh you. Oh my God! Oh right? my God! Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like that whole thing, right? Oh, it was supposed you. to be two days and then they, they, it was only one day and I was like, well, I wanted that money, but you know, whatever. <laughs> my god okay thank you so much i was literally wrecking my brain i was like i know we have because it had been so long i was like how the hell do i know matthew like how did we initially meet so okay so to tell the audience we both had gotten this print job to uh, model for jacqueline smith's kmart line And so we were like the background models for Jacqueline Smith. If you're young and you you don't know who Jacqueline Smith is, she was one of the original Charlie's Angels um, in the 70s with Farrah Fawcett. And who was the third one? Gosh, what was her Um, name? Kate Smith? Kate. um, I don't remember. It was that third one. I feel sorry for her because people don't remember her. I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think think her name was Kate Smith. We'll we'll just say that that's what it was, Kate Smith. Yeah, it was, we were modeling with Jacqueline Smith and we were like these background models for her. And I think we were both kind of, I know I was kind of gushing because she was a Charlie's angel. And at that point, this had to be like 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And honestly, Um, honestly, I was absolutely gushing because people, when they ask like the, my favorite celebrity that I've ever met, I always name her. Because there was just something about her energy that was like icon legend status to me that I was just like in awe. Maybe it's because I knew her when I was not like knew her, knew her, but like when I was really young, but it was like, oh my gosh, it's her. That's how I felt the whole time. And I generally didn't feel that way, but like she was so kind. Oh yes, she was. Right. That's how I felt too. Like I remember in one of the setups, I, we were literally face to like we were standing next to each other but in opposite directions so we were like basically pretending like we were looking away at each other but really looking at each other and we were less than I want to say like 10 inches 5 10 inches from each other and I could not keep myself from staring at her because she's so beautiful and like it's just especially in Los Angeles it's kind of rare to see a woman of a certain age that ages well and ages gracefully. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. just couldn't stop looking at her. I was like, she looks fucking fantastic. Same, same, same. <laughs> Whatever she's drinking, give it to me. Cause you know what? I'd love to look like that when at the age she was then. I know I need a dose of that. <laughs> um, so since that moment, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot has changed for you. Yeah. Um, you don't live in LA anymore. I don't. Um, I moved. You are not in of the acting modeling world anymore. I'm not. Yeah. I decided all that wasn't for me. It wasn't my journey. Like I was on this journey and it happened after my sister passed because it happened around that time frame. She was the one family member that was like ride or die for me. She passed and I just started to reevaluate everything. And it's like the the feedback I kept getting from people and like I was getting gigs and stuff, but was that um, my personality didn't match the way that I looked. And so people were trying to like 
like agents, casting people were trying to get me to like pretend like I was something that I wasn't, but like myself was on the journey of becoming more and more authentic. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to pretend to be anyone else anymore. I just want to be myself. I don't want to be famous. Like I'm okay. And then ta-da, Mr. Domestic. (laughs) So let's, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's what we're here for. So let's talk about Mr. Domestic. Did you grow up like quilting and crafting and sewing? Was that something that had always been in your life? No, I didn't. Like my mom, she's always been a crafter and she crocheted and sewed, but like she always, and even as I was a little boy sitting in her room, like looking at her wanting to do stuff, occasionally I would be thrown a bone, but she would always talk about wanting my sisters to do it. And like, I was sitting there wanting to, but I grew up in Texas. It wasn't like encouraged. So I think that like all of that pent up desire to do all of these things, whenever I started all of this, it happened whenever our daughter was born. And in 2013, that my spouse bought me a couple classes to sew. And I was like, okay, let's see if I can do it. And then I guess I could. And it's <laughs> been like, it's been amazing. It's been this journey. And she's been my inspiration in all of it. So, um, And what classes? Well, first of all, what, uh, where did you grow up in Texas? I grew up in Houston. Okay. that uh, Now I remember it. That was what we talked about when we were on yep. set because I'm from Dallas. Yep. Okay. So this whole crafting journey started when your daughter was born so by this time were you already in Seattle or sorry Washington where you live now yeah because we on we moved everywhere we first moved to Seattle thinking it was Portland and it wasn't and then we moved to Portland and then to Olympia and then now we're like in Camas which is the suburb right outside of Portland but in Washington okay Um, yeah I had already we were already in that transition when it all started it was when we first like settled down in southern Washington here and um that's when that's when it happened because I'd always talked about wanting to like connect with my mom and I was always bombed and like I've been with my spouse since 20 2001 2001 so it's like they know all of my journey you know that's how it that's how it it started was it's just I wanted to connect with her that's all is your mother still alive yes yeah okay so when your husband bought you the classes which classes did you start with they were apparel classes because I wanted to sew. Because it was it was all of this through line of my journey. It like I did theater, and then it's like I got fit whenever I quit drinking, and then I modeled, which was you know it was it was fun. I have cute pictures. I can look back at them and stuff. But then I started doing photography, but then I liked making the outfits for the models I worked with. So then I was like, let's get into sewing, and so that was it. But once I started putting stuff online, like on Instagram and the internet. Then it's like the quilting world kind of like, not swarmed me, but like they lifted me up with love. And so I was like, let me learn all of this stuff. So now I do all of it. Oh my goodness. Okay. So at what point when you were taking these classes, did you think, oh, I might be onto something like this could be a thing. Did other people wreck? Do you think when you started doing stuff online, when you first started posting it to Instagram and other places, in the back of your mind, was there this idea of like, oh, I'm pretty good at this? Or was it still like, oh, this is really fun. I just want to share what I'm doing with other people. I would say the first few years it was, and even it's a big part of who I am still. I just want to share and have fun and spread all of that goodness. And so that was my focus. But really, like how it started me developing a relationship with brands and stuff was that I learned that you could get stuff for free. And I was like, right on, let me do what I need to do to get free stuff and so <laughs> I started with that but then like when people would send me stuff I would feel obligated to make something awesome for them 
And then that would draw more attention and more brands. And it just kept snowballing and snowballing. And there was a point, I think it was after like a year or two. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually ready for this. I have my MBA. I'm trained on camera. I know film. I'm personable. I'm authentic. Let me see what I can build with this. And then um, I put all those brains in and turned it into a business. And then it just evolved into this thing. That's incredible. Okay. So you have your MBA. You have another master's also as well, right? I do. I have one in communication also. So you have essentially building this business, which is Mr. Domestic. You have been able to pretty much incorporate all facets of your knowledge and of your life into this. Yep. Absolutely. Everything. Everything. It's weird that like my entire creative and like intellectual journey has brought me to this place where I just have all of the skills I needed for this to flourish. And it's, it's pretty cool. I'm still like, I don't get it. I'm, I'm weird. I don't know why people pay attention to me, but um, I'll take it. So hi, everybody. Come find me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Um, Cause looking at your website, you have tons and also your YouTube channel. You have tons of tutorials, amazing mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, I'm just going to actually list, go ahead and just list a couple of them now, just to get people all excited about it. I mean, he has a really great range, tons of quilting stuff, like how to create curves and quilts. You can learn how to make an insulated lunchbox. You can make cozy toe socks, tree skirts, foundation paper piecing. I had no idea what that was until I clicked on your, what is it video? I was like, yeah, I want to know what the hell is that? Rope bowls. 10-minute pillowcase, uh, lots of uh, tutorials on machine and hand sewing techniques, and business tutorials about how to even grow your own business. So you really run the gamut. But I, I just love, like, from the things that I saw, I get a sense that what also keeps you going with this a little is your daughter, um, yeah. your daughter, Helena. And what was the first thing you made for her? It was this dress. It was a, no, it was, a, it, it was supposed to be a dress, but then it turned into a tunic. And like, I was, I was just, I'll do this. I bought this $40 a yard fabric. I'd never sewn anything. I got this <laughs> pattern. I was like, I can figure it out. And then I cut it up and I put it together and it was dreadful. And so I threw it in the trash. I was like, I can't do this. It's horrible. And then I was like, no, sir, you just spent some money on this. So I, instead of, trying to, <laughs> right, instead of following the pattern, I was like, what can, how can I figure this out? So it took me from, in this one project, from like following the directions that I was given to looking at it, what I had left, what I could salvage, how can I turn this into something for Helena to wear? And then I did. And that, that showed me one, don't give up and throw away stuff because you never know what can happen. And then two, I really enjoyed the um, problem solving of it like the puzzle piecing and figuring out the techniques. Like for any sewist or maker that watches my tutorials, I probably say stuff weird or don't know all the terms because most of it I just figured out on my own. Um, but that's what I, I, it's one of the things I really love about it. You love the, the discovering along the way? Yeah. And that's why whenever you, when you look at my stuff, there's such a wide variety because what drives me is learning. So I want to learn a new technique and that's what leads me to my next project. And then when I learn it, I share it. I love that. Well, you know what? That really, really, really makes sense with the advice that you gave in one of your videos. I watched one of them about business tutorial, and it was about how to 
work with businesses with designing things. But I, I was listening to it and you made a comment on there about a lot of people, you know, when they're growing a sewing or crafting business and they have corporations or businesses come in and say, hey, I want to partner with you. What do you want to do? What a lot of people tend to do is do the thing that's easy. It's like, yeah. like you use the example of, oh, I make a handbag. So I'll just make like some more handbags for them. And your advice was to do something that you never have done before or perhaps yep. afraid to do because that yep. allows you to reach out of your comfort zone and really challenge you creatively. Yep. Because everything you've done up until that point is what got you through the door, but that's not necessarily what they want to see. They want to see what else you can bring, how that talent can apply to like whatever it is that they, their product is. And it, and to me, it's like, it's kind of like the auditions and stuff from like, the LA times, you you have one chance to like show it, to show to these casting directors and agents and all of that kind of stuff that this, I just always saw it. This is my opportunity to like wow them. So I wasn't even creating something for that moment. I was creating something so awesome that they'd want to bring me back and work with me again. And so that's how I always thought about it. And um, it's like, don't do the basic stuff. Everyone can do the basic stuff and not to knock the talent it takes to do that. But if you want to be like, the man or the woman or the person like you got to bring it next level and um i found for myself with that level of accountability that was bigger than me i had no choice but to bring it and do it right so like i had some sleepless nights and figuring it out but that's what you do that's what you do that's hustle that's hustle y'all yeah and that's what you do with what you love and i i love that bit of advice because like you said i feel like it definitely reflects acting it reflects so many different disciplines and businesses and i think a lot of people especially when they are starting a business it could perhaps be easy to get out of the idea of expanding creatively and just kind of think about what works mm -hmm. and so i like that a big part of what you even do is like i don't know it i'm gonna figure it out and then when i do i'll show it to everybody else yeah. And that's what, and, and I always tell people, it's like, if you want to do that and you get stuck, reach out and help, and I'll help you. Or there will be someone that helps you. It's the internet. For the most part, everyone is nice on the internet. It's just a few trolls that mess it up for everyone else. Right. And I can guide people to the, to the awesome people. <laughs> right? <So>. <laughs> yeah, you know who they are at this point. I do. I do. <laughs> What did you feel for you were kind of the core or essential things that you needed to transition from this becoming a passion, something that you loved into a full-fledged business? Yeah, that was a gradual thing because it's like, like at first, what was the, the thing that propelled the business was the, um, not to like brag or whatever, but like the volume of, of requests were getting larger and larger. So I needed to come up with a tangible way to have a cutoff to be like, if it's this, I can say yes. If it's not this, I can say no. So, um, and what were the my, kind of requests that you were getting? Um, just making stuff, um, collaborating. Like at first people wanted to send free stuff and then it, then it just became so much. I was like, I, I don't have room in my house anymore. So I have to start charging. So I would charge. And then I would start raising my rates. And then, um, like recently this year, it's become, cause I'm taking it, not that I wasn't taking it seriously, but like more seriously, how big this thing can grow is that I need to start making money for myself and not letting the priority be making money for other people. 
So I'm starting to think of like my branding and Mr. Domestic and et cetera, and me driving it as opposed to being responsive to everything happening and then making my decisions based on that. Um, hopefully that'll work. I think, I, th I mean, we'll figure it out. I don't know. If not, I'll do something else. So. And so what was you, you started the classes in 2013. Mm -hmm. When did Mr. Domestic officially start? He is fifth, five years old. Okay. So yeah. What, what year is 2020? 2020, <laughs> hashtag 2020, right? So 2015, that's when it started. That's when I had my first brand collaboration. And that's when I started my blog and all that kind of stuff. Five years. I mean, you have grown so much. You have, you know, a newsletter, you have a full-fledged YouTube channel, your Instagram. I want to talk a little bit about the, the YouTube because I know about what was it, maybe nine months back? This is, okay, this is so crazy. So your YouTube channel was fished and hacked and at some point also terminated. Is that correct? But Yeah, I lost it for a month and a half. It was fish. It was just one of those phishing emails. And it was like, I had posted something that I was like, I don't know the rules. The rules are so nebulous on, on YouTube. But I got an email that was like, um, the video you just posted is too spammy, so you need to take it down. And I was about to get on a plane, so I clicked on it just so that I could change it, and that was the fish. And then they got my information, but um, I immediately changed my password and did everything that you're supposed to do. But they, there was something you can do on YouTube to where they changed the ownership of my account to them, and I didn't know it. So 24 hours later, I had no more access to my account. And then they started deleting stuff and changing it, and then they started to put out political disinformation on my channel forcing it to all of my subscribers in their email, like um, Fox News, Sean Hannity, all of that, Laura Ingram, they were forcing those videos on live stream. And then eventually enough people reported it to where it was terminated. And then I reached out to YouTube trying to figure out um, how to get it back. And then after a week or two weeks, they came back saying nothing had happened, that they found no foul play with my YouTube account. What? And I was like, what? That's when I, like, it was my first time ugly crying on the internet. I was like, I need help, everybody. But then we galvanized as a Mr. Domestic community, and we did um, a Twitter campaign trying to get Team YouTube involved. I, I reddited for the first time. I wrote this blog that was forwarded to the press and to media. And then eventually I got someone within YouTube that was able to help me. And then they found my channel. And then they eventually gave it back to me as a brand account. It was, there was some stuff internally messed up, but that took like a month and a half. I wasn't sure if I was going to get it back and I hadn't backed up any of my content. And at that time I had like a hundred and something videos that were like lost. And so luckily I got it back. Like the one thing that made me want to fight for it was that I know that that's a place where a lot of people go to feel better. Like my video, my early videos especially were very extra. So I was like, joy, 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 happy, happy, happy. And um, I didn't want to lose that for people because it like from the emails and stuff I got, it was important. So I was willing to fight for it. I learned a lot through it. When you reached out to YouTube and they're like, oh, there's nothing happening here. And you're, we can't, can't give you your channel back. Like, oh, what, what did that moment feel like? It was devastating for a moment. But um, like my turnaround to process stuff is pretty fast. So I allowed myself time to like grieve the loss of it. And then my little uh-uh popped up <laughs> and I was like, cause I'm a fighter. I was like, nah, this can't be the end. There's someone, I don't know. I don't know all the ones and zeros of technology, but there's someone that can help me. I just need to get to them. So I, I did what I, I did what I, everything that I could, I threw at it to see. I don't know what one thing 
that got the attention, but it was like a bunch of it together. But um, I immediately went into fight mode, like, for, like, and I haven't gotten out of fight mode since then. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have either from the content that I've seen. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get to that, but I, I like dealing with that moment. That's so big. It's so stressful. And I know through one of your videos that you said that that moment kind of helped you reset and kind of reprioritize your yep. energy and yep. your purpose. Yep. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like how after that moment you get it back, you know, some things are messed up. So the first thing you know is now you got to start backing up your videos. <laughs> yeah, I learned that lesson, folks. <laughs> <laughs> what, what other realizations came out of that for you well it's kind of like it um it shattered my um what i don't know how to naivete it shattered that for me like um because i also work in pharmaceuticals i have a day job so like that's my day job and all of this was like my escape and so that's why if people watch my video or came to my um instagram internet like i was always like raw raw super excited because one i was just grateful for like everyone showing so much love. And then it was like, I loved it. But after that happened, um, I was kind of, I didn't know how I was going to transition because my tagline is spreading joy and positivity through sewing and fabric play. And that's what I was all about. It, but I just couldn't authentically be that raw, raw anymore. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I, I it was going to be a shift because I, I didn't want to be inauthentic. Cause that's another, I mean, I've worked so hard to be authentic. I didn't want to lose that. And then I just started processing it all and understanding myself. And I saw that that was just a part of me, that person that I was, but there are other parts of me as well. And that joy doesn't always look like one thing. Sometimes joy is more subtle. Sometimes joy means standing up for people. Sometimes joy means fighting, getting it wrong. Like there are other ways to manifest joy. And um, so that, it took a while. It really took four or five months, like not really until a couple months ago, which I'm sure we'll get to, but that's whenever I was like, oh, okay, this is my direction. This is actually more authentically me. Let me do this. It's not taking away my joy, but I'm not hiding other parts. So it kind of like, that was the beginning of me kind of realizing that I put myself in another Texas kind of situation. Not mm -hmm. to knock people from Texas, but there's a lot of tolerance of gay people. And like, you're okay. Hate the sinner, love the sinner, whatever. No, not, you don't love the sin. Hate, love the sinner, hate the sin. I don't know that because I don't subscribe to that. But um, I put myself in that situation again by immersing myself in quilting. Not to say that quilters at large are um, like anti-gay, anti-black, um, anti et cetera. But I found that I was actually placating the racist and the homophobe by my behavior so that I didn't piss them off. Instead so you of really were being a little bit more, you feel like in your personality, you're being a little bit more palatable, a little bit yeah. more presentable, yeah. hiding a little bit of yourself, yeah. almost yeah. kind of code switching a little bit. Exactly. I was like, I know that this it's like, cause I've been gay since forever. Like I, when I was four, it's like people knew. So it's like, I created this like personality as my mask, right? We all have that mask right. that we created. So um, I would turn it on still authentic, but that's not like the core of who I am. That's just a part of it. And the reason I did that was just because I didn't want to make them mad. It's like, you shouldn't operate that. I don't want to dim my shine or morality for people who I don't think are moral. So this has all been a trend. Like I'm still in transition with all of this, but I'm finding my direction and strength and I'm motivated to make YouTube videos again. I'm motivated to continue to, to grow this because I like the direction it's going in. Um, so it's like, I'm still in that transition space, but I finally feel like 
I'm on, I'm coming through the other side with me and um, Mr. Domestic and what it's all about. And it's changed. It's changed everything. <laughs> like, everything. Yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, you are definitely getting closer and closer to the core of you, mm -hmm. um, seeing the evolution. And you bring up a really good point because, you know, I feel like it's so interesting talking about code switching because I was just mm -hmm. um, earlier this morning listening to, I don't know if you heard the, uh, the podcast, Fresh Air, Terry Gross. Mm -mm. Anyway, this woman, Terry Gross. Um, and she was, and she was talking to Kerry Washington and they were talking about code switching mm -hmm. and Kerry Washington was kind of talking about like when she was a child and how she kind of used it. Cause she went to this very hoity toity private school in New York. And it just really got me thinking because I feel like, you know, as a, as a black woman, as a black person, I'm used to hearing that term code switching in the black right. community because it is, we all know we have to do it and we all we all understand how it works and why it works yep. yep and i think what can happen sometimes is that it can sneak up on you and mm -hmm. after a while you don't even realize you're doing it mm -hmm. and I, you know we're not the only marginalized community that does it and so you saying that as a, as a gay man that you had to do that it totally makes sense but it also makes sense that you at some point would even just forget that it's happening oh yeah it, it becomes it because i have because my spouse is is black and so like the, these um we've had these conversations i've never i've never thought of it in terms of being gay but i guess that is exactly what's going on but that um just that that not necessarily every person talking about race not every and you know this i'm preaching to the choir so i'm not like trying to like, <laughs> no, explain or whatever but like <laughs> just that like um the, it happens sometimes when let's speak on someone who's black they code switch so often that it becomes their level set like their natural state yeah don't realize it and then their lens is no longer through a black lens it's through a white lens that's why you don't necessarily run to your one i know this is the one friend but you don't run to your one black friend because they might ne not necessarily represent like what's going on at large and it's just it's such an interesting it's such an interesting phenomenon i love that there's like language and that the conversations are happening now around all of that because yeah no me too and you know i i still like even with having this podcast like i constantly have to check myself for code switching because i know i still do it you know even in convert you know when you have conversations with different people you just it just happens so i totally i i totally understand where you're coming from so i feel like watching your videos um and seeing the evolution of it especially recently this year going mm -hmm. through all of them that i see how you have definitely reprioritized putting yourself out there wholly and authentically and fighting for the things that you believe in yep so that's going to lead me into the next thing, which is, you know, recently I would say, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think in my mind, when did I notice that it was happening on your personal page? But I want to say maybe February, um, I noticed a lot of you having to check people, honestly, yep. having to check yep. people on your page about racism and yep. about homophobic tendencies yep. and you know you having to remind them who you are and yep. as a gay man 
as someone married to a black man, as someone having a daughter who you are trying to raise and understand social and racial inequities. Yep. And I, when I saw that, I was like, damn, he is like, you were going in yep. on people. Yep. And I wish, you know what? Let's do this really quick. I don't know if you have your phone in front of you. I do. I want you to go to your Mr. Domestic page. Which page? On on, on Facebook. Oh, uh, okay. And I, I was thinking I was going to read it, but I actually kind of want you to read it. It was a post that you put up. Hold on. I screenshotted it. Oh, you screenshot a post of mine. I'm honored. I did, because I loved it. <laughs> you did it recently. Okay, it was August 13th, and it was okay. one of your longest... And I just felt that it was so passionate because I feel like this was when you, even though it's recent, I know you came to that realization before this moment, but I feel like it was, it was important because you, you laid it out on the table really for Mr. Domestic in this post. So it starts with August 13th and you start with, Hey folks. Oh, it's one of my Hey folks one. (laughs) Yeah. And like, while I'm looking for it, this is just something that like on my journey of understanding like social injustice and anti-racism that it's super duper important to check people in real time. That's almost the most important thing that we can do as an individual. And so I did it on my personal page for a while, but I didn't do it on Mr. Domestic. And then I was like, why am I hiding this from these people? Because they'd be doing some stuff that needs to be corrected. And so um, did you want me to read this? Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's read it the first three paragraphs. Okay. So this is lengthy folks. Come find me on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I said, Hey folks, the past five years, we've created a beautifully inclusive space where all are accepted unless your comfort is based on the oppression of other folks. Then yeah, you can bounce. And I get the me continuing to post about anti-racism and LGBTQ plus stuff and COVID and even politics makes some of y'all uncomfortable. And trust, it's not easy for me either. It takes a lot of emotional labor to continue speaking about topics that many folks have stopped talking about because, once again, it's not easy. For those telling me that I'm doing harm to my brand or that I'm being hostile to dissenters or any other passive-aggressive flouncing comments in an attempt to hurt me, you are not because I don't give you that power. My best friend showed herself to the door saying these very things to me because privilege is a powerful drug. So these comments coming from someone I probably have never interacted with before isn't going to penetrate even the most fragile chink in my armor. So if you feel the need to flex your privilege, you are in a very, very, very small minority in the Mr. Domestic community because most folks here have been paying attention. And just so you know, my brand is thriving as if that's even important. And I consider the revolving door in my social media spaces a definite upgrade with the new folks that are joining. One more paragraph. For the record. I am a gay father in an interracial queer marriage, which puts me in the weird intersection of privilege and oppression. In my life, I've been raped, assaulted, abused, kicked out of my childhood home, been homeless in New York City, done survival sex work, attempted suicide, conquered addiction from which I barely survived, and many other things that should have kept me down, but they didn't because I'm a survivor. But this also has made me an empathy machine, which is why I fight so hard for those that are oppressed. And still, I can recognize my own privilege in the spaces where I have it. The last paragraph of that, and it goes on. You can definitely go to his Mr. Domestic and read it. But um, the that third paragraph, you know, I, as many people, learned so much about you 
in that one paragraph. And I, I think what's, again, what's magnificent about it is putting yourself out there wholly and fully and laying it all on the table. And I think what's is so interesting and so what people tend to take for granted going back to what you said like your brand is fine you don't need people those those people that love to say unsubscribing i'm never gonna buy it again you know you're not you're not yeah exactly you are not allowing those people to hold you hostage anymore nope i feel like that is sort of what living authentically is and not from a negative space, knowing what you bring to the table and knowing what you offer and knowing yourself and also being not being afraid of confrontation in a sense of feeling that you have to always be worried about other people's opinions. Because like you said, you are, I can totally tell you're a very empathetic person and that mm-hmm. you think about things deeply and that you don't put anything out there that would on purpose make someone feel bad but i believe if you if you felt like you were because you have a a certain level of privilege if you felt like you were doing that you would openly check yourself absolutely absolutely and so i i think that you yourself in that statement you you freed yourself i did it was free i even um i i've always been I thought I was always an open book, but then there were some things I didn't ever want to talk or put into the public space. And then this time was one of the first times I did talk about some of the, the, the things. Like even reading it, it's like, I'm getting a little forclubbed. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, what am I afraid of? Like, this is just, this is who I am. Like, this is it. So don't, don't try and act like, I think people naively thought that because I was raw, raw, that my life has been peachy. It's been hell. It hasn't been easy. I fought my, I fought my ass off to, to, get to a place where I love myself and I found joy at 44. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it unburdened me. It, it unburdened me. And when I began being firm about like anti-racism, LGBTQ stuff, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I didn't care anymore. I was like, if I burn this thing to the ground fighting for people who are oppressed, then I don't want to be a part of it. I just didn't want to be a part of it. Thankfully, it didn't, and I found out that most of my community was on board. They were they were there for it, and so I was like, "Yay! People have been paying attention. That's pretty cool." I didn't know because those voices were getting in my head of people saying, "Even my best friend, like this, might make me cry a little bit." Like that broke my heart. It broke my heart. Um, like as I was being firm, she was identifying with the people I was being firm with, and and people who do do anti-racism, social justice work. Part of the, the work is learning which conversations to have and which ones not to. There right. are some people, it's like, why waste your energy? It's going to go down a rabbit hole and it's going to be horrible and you'll be exhausted. So there are specific conversations I knew I could have and she identified with them. And um, she, what's the word now about people saying stuff that's not true? Gaslit me. Oh. Like her, her email even started with, I am so worried about you. That's oh how it God. started. And then it was like, lie, 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 lie. My response was like, that's not based on fact. None of that was going on. And trust me, if it was, my spouse would have my ass. That wouldn't be happening. So um, it's like, I can control control me having a firm anti-racist stance. If people don't want to be a part of that, then it's like, why were you even a part of me? Because I've always been like, I've been married to my spouse for a a hot minute. Like, what did y'all think? That, no. So um, thank you. (laughs) 
I, you know, it, it's so interesting how, like, you you were like, yeah, you've been married to your spouse, what, at this point, almost 20 years. And what's truly interesting about this moment is how comfortable people are making other people play small and be in their quote unquote place. Yep. And by freeing yourself, it's so interesting how it offends people. And like you said, you being gaslit, that gaslit, that moment is about them not being able to handle you being comfortable with who you are. And as long as you were able, good with hiding it and not confronting it, then that made them comfortable. But now they can't handle it because it makes them uncomfortable that you are authentically who you are. And now yep. at this point, they have to figure out, well, now they've laid it all on the table. What am I going to do? And it's so interesting how people's, their go-to is to gaslight people and, bl yep. and blame them. You know, instead yep. of really take a, a moment, it, it's so interesting that people are willing to lose true connected relationships. Yeah. This was a 20 year friendship. She was my sister. Like she, not that she filled in the spot when my sister passed, but she was my sister. I thought of her as family. Um, Helena called her, her an aunt. Her kids were thought of as her cousins. And in the matter of an instant, just because someone didn't want to face what I was saying, I haven't been rude or mean or anything. I'm just speaking truth. She didn't want to see it, that um, that relationship was severed. And her, to her, she took a pause. She wanted to take a pause. And um, I, I would have had she not sent that email. But the stuff that she said in the email, I was like, this isn't a pause for me. The stuff you just said, those are, those are no-goes in my life anymore. So um, to me, the worst thing in all of it was the damage that it did to my kid. When someone fucks with my kid, Nah, I don't have that in my life. There's no space for that because I, I had a tough childhood. So it, like, it was shit, as many of us did. Nah, nah, she's not going to have any of that. So um, if this friend ever wants to come back in my life, she needs to rectify a whole bunch of stuff and come with some humble pie. And she's never apologized to me ever in her life. So I know it's not going to happen. And um, it sucks. It yeah. sucks. The relationships that are being severed just because people are waking up yeah. to the truth. That's it. And um like people who are, who are willing to be on that journey, they see that it's still in kindness and joy. Like it's just like, that's who I am. Yeah. Sometimes I'm going to call someone Karen and I'm going to be in their face and stuff when they go a little too far. And there was a time when I, when I held an auction, did you see the auction? No, we I did didn't an auction. Yeah, we did. Or sorry, a uh, fundraiser. We're not supposed to say auction. Oh, wait, wait for the, for the picture. Is that what you're talking uh, about? We did it. Well, we did a fundraiser for anti-racist charities where we um, uh, put up handmade items and raised almost a hundred or over $150,000 for anti-racist charities and organizations That's that right. happened in a week. Didn't know that would happen. But during that time, yeah, I was super aggressive and probably outside of my character because I was overwhelmed. But um, that was the moment that she judged was that. And it's like, bye, I don't have, I don't have time for any of that. I'm free. <laughs> the pop and it just create, but it creates space for more people that are on board to come exactly. into your life. So <sighs> to, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. I, hey. I can't imagine what it feels like to lose a friendship of that, you know, someone who's been in your life that long. And I, I can't answer it by saying, well, good, you know, good and written. Nah, it I, hurts. It that doesn't even feel way. like the right answer it, because it just feels unfortunate. Yep. But, you know, when 
you're a parent in this climate, we know intrinsically it's the right thing to do, you know, because yep. we're trying to raise kids that grow up different from us. And yep. they, if, if they don't have the example, then they, it's harder for that to happen. So I know that was a hard decision, not from personal experience, just from what I feel. And I'm sorry that Thanks. sucks. No, it fucking sucks. It, it does. But then not to be cliche, at the end of the day, I'm still a white man. So that's nothing compared to probably what you deal with. Right. Or the color of your skin. So it's like, I'll take it. Bring it. Bring it. I was prepared for this by all the shit I went through. Bring it. You want to come for me? I got, I got, I got intellect and charm and people behind <laughs> me. So it's like, uh-uh, I'm ready. So no. And it's, it's like decades of me feeling like my moral compass was wrong. Yeah. Of it being minimized, of being told that it's wrong, of being told that I was not a good human, that, that I was a sinner, like all of that minimized myself. And it just came to a point and it was whenever, um, it was shortly after George Floyd was murdered. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I did the, um, the amplifying melanated voices thing that was done where it's like, you just, I saw that. yeah, I did that and that. And then the hate that I got just by posting stuff, I was like, like, I'm not even saying anything like, and I'm getting like, nah, that was like, fuck it. I'm done. I'm done. And that unleashed it. And it's like, now I'm, now I'm getting more, not comfortable, but it's like, it's like the level set of me is no longer that placating person. The level right. set of me is that person that's going to speak up and fight for what's right because I'm not going to allow my morality to be dimmed anymore when people are being assholes. Why do they get to be the ones that say that they're the ones that are morally superior? No, you're not. You're not. That's it. Looking back, because I want to go back to that because you just revealed so much in that third paragraph. Do you feel that all of the things that happened to you, the abuse, getting kicked out of your home as a child, going into addiction, all of those stemmed from not being accepted and also feeling like you have to dim your light. Yep. I would just take it. I've been through years of therapy to work through this. So yay, therapist. Hashtag therapy. I know therapy is awesome. <laughs> I, I tell people, I used to think it was such bullshit to be honest. Yeah, And then I started going and I was like, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. Yeah. It's just great to have someone to really filter your feelings through. And it's not about someone telling you that you're right or that you're wrong necessarily. It's just kind of having. This they just outlet. help you process. They help yeah. you process the stuff that the noise in your brain. And yeah. it's, been, it's been lovely. But yeah, it's like my whole childhood. It's like, I just took it. Because that's a survival, a coping strategy. I'm sure that there are parts in your life where you, you just had to take, but it's like, now I'm 44 and I'm grown. And um, my kid is two, two generations away from segregation. So um, no, the kids aren't down for this shit. They're not down for it. So it's like, it's almost like seeing her and how clearly she understands stuff when I explain it simply. She gets it. She gets it. That it's like, if my seven-year-old can get it, why can't your like 80-year-old ass who was around whenever there were segregated schools get it? You saw it. Don't pretend like it's not there, right? So, um, so yeah, I don't want to take it anymore. And I don't want else, anyone else to have to take it. So I'll do everything in my power to make sure they don't have to take it. Knowing that you've been so vocal about that um, and going back to that moment when you were a child and you wanted to quilt and sew because your mom was doing it and, you know, your mom is still alive. Your family yes. is still around. Um, I know you said your sister passed. I yeah. don't know if that was recently. I'm sorry about that. It was, it was when I was in LA. So it was 2008. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Thank you. 
And she wouldn't have been down for any of the shit either. And that's what <laughs> Uh, and and you also had a post recently talking about how your sister was the black sheep of the family, yep. and then when she passed, it kind of transferred to you. Yep. This moment of your, I I consider Mr. Domestic successful. I think you. you know I'm amazed that you. I thought this was what you did. I didn't know that this was your quote unquote side hustle. Right. So, yeah. so this is all even more amazing to me. Looking at you through the Zoom, seeing your backdrop, your craft that it's not even a closet it's a craft room of like mm -hmm. this fantastic amount of fabric and knits and all these things it's a huge part of your life it's a yeah. huge business does in any way does that feel redeeming to when you when you look at it in terms of how you're treated as a child and with your family like how first of all how does your mom feel about it she's proud like she's proud i don't think she under i don't think she kind of she grasps the harm that was done when I was a kid that's motivated it, but she's proud. She's like on, and even to my, it's like the things that I'm able, I'm accomplishing and doing in my life, I wasn't supposed to ever do like none of it. It was, I was never supposed to, I wasn't supposed to go to college, let alone have two masters. It wasn't, I was never supposed to have the job that I do and then be able to build a business, be married to the love of my life and have a kid. That's the best kid ever created in the history of the universe. None of that was supposed to happen, but yeah, my mom's proud. But then it's like, no matter what, she's, I'm ride or die for my mom. Like, hashtag mom, right? That um, the other people, other members of my family, if you, if you, I've told them, if you're, if you weren't there for, the, for my struggle, if you're voting in a way that goes against me, that does harm to my family, and you've never, never even gone to a pride parade, don't be calling me and congratulating me for something that happened because one of your friends knows who I am. Like, you don't get to be a part of that. That's why I cut my family off recently. Because I was like, nah, I didn't create this for you to come and take part in this when you were- When, part, you when, were when it works for them. Yeah. So it's like, no, I'm, I'm done. So um, yeah, she's proud. She's proud. It's, I, I, it's also surreal. Every, like, it's, like, it's so surreal. I don't take a lot of time to like reflect. I'm just, I'm honored that, that people have propelled this and created this. I didn't create this. Like the the Mr. Do I talk about the Mr. Domestic community. They did it. They're the ones that told me what values are important. They're the ones that helped me drive my business. They're the one. They're the ones that give me the bravery and the confidence to speak. Like it's not. It's not me. It's 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 a it's all those people behind me like that um, that allow me to do it. And so like I'm filled with gratitude every day. Well, going through your comments, it's just so wonderful to see the range of people that connect with you like looking through one of your recent videos there were two women who were in their 70s and had started quilting <laughs> and i'm like wow you start in your 70s so you know you feel like that's something like someone just knows their whole life you know of that age and it was just so interesting and there was another where it was like a black woman who uh really connected to your your melanated voices video and she commented on that and just all the people that have found you through other friends and they're like right. oh my god you know my friend told me about your video and now right. i'm hooked and right. it's just you know it, it certainly feels like you are living up to your tagline of spreading joy going back to that third paragraph again right that's okay <laughs> You're like, oh God, do we got to go back a, there again? It was a you big know, paragraph. I said a lot. I said a lot in a couple sentences. It, yeah, it was a lot in there. 
And the reason why I want to go back to it is I don't want to minimize that because, you know, there there's a huge amount of teenagers and youth in the LGBTQ plus community that end up getting kicked out, end up getting homeless, end up getting addicted because like you, they feel like they have to dim their light. And I think that's a huge part of why that third paragraph was so important of you revealing that to provide another example of how someone can evolve and grow and, you know, with love and support can really overcome so much. And have you yet had anybody with a similar experience in Mr. Domestic reach out to you with that you Are got you me. <laughs> did uh, i get you that's that's been that's actually it's been happening since i started i didn't know that just me being an out visible like gay man would like have power um but then that's what that's what helps shape it that's why i do so many rainbows and like i'm out and i'm like because there are parents that reach out that say my kid saw you and what you did for my kid like and then kids reaching out like it, it, I didn't know. I didn't know because I didn't have that, right? So, like, the fact that I can be that, like, just being myself and show, like, it, it does get better. It's like a, that, that line that's used, but it does. And um, I just want, I want kids to know that there's a grown-up that has their back. Like, that we're not all, like, going to hurt you or do harm to you or want you not to be yourself. I just want everyone to just be who they are authentically and not try to hurt me. Like, that's all I care about. Right. So yeah, that's, um, that was my driver. And I, it's always been the LGBTQ community and that's the community I thought I was, I was focusing my protective, like nurturing, but it's like, now it's like, no, it's everyone other than those people that want to oppress us whoever the us is y'all can go elsewhere because the rest of the world is for you but my community is everyone else because i don't have that and so it's like yeah those kids are what like on those days where i wanted to throw in the towel and just be like like with my youtube like i like there are moments it's been hard like i've gotten hate i've gotten i've get gotten death threats like i've had people crash my live streams like attacking me calling me a pedophile like it's been horrible but on those days, I'm like, nah, I got to show these kids that I can get back up and it's okay. And I, there's someone that's going to have their back. That's the most important thing to me of all Absolutely. of this. That's, that's what gets me out. Cause I've got a kid. There's no way in hell anyone's going to make her feel like that. The kids now, no, no, there's way too much information and access to stuff for any parent to make their kid feel like that. So um, yeah, that's my, that's my primary mission and just everything. It's like, it's the kids, like, nah, because I felt scared the whole time. I tried to date date women. I try. I tried <laughs> to make it go away. Like, I tried to. I've done every. It's like, no, this is this is part of me, and it's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful, and it's okay to say it's beautiful. Um, thanks for saying that because that's um, yeah. I, like, I have a, like a whole folder in my email of like emails I've gotten that I go read through and um. Yeah, you made me cry. I was holding you <laughs> in. Like, who does that? Who makes someone cry? Me. <laughs> I'm not on purpose. Sorry. 
No, I, I love that you have a file that you can go back and read. And I think it's important to know what impact you have. And here's why, you know, just for the audience, here's why it's so important. What really made me think more about that third paragraph was I came across just yesterday, uh, someone on my Facebook feed shared a TED talk talking about addiction mm -hmm. and how um, there was this whole, this is all preliminary. I don't know if this is true, mm -hmm. but there was this guy this i believe he was a scientist and he was talking about that there had been testing done with rats about drug addiction and how it affects uh people that have a community versus people that don't mm -hmm. and in in this particular test they had a rat by itself in a cage and they um gave it two types of water one was just regular water and then the other was like this water laced with like heroin or something Mm. the rat kept going back to the water laced with drugs to the point of just killing itself. Right. And then the other part of the, the experiment was they decided to build this huge rat hotel with like, all I guess all the things that rats would love, you know, like, uh, you know, knit balls and like wheels and what, I don't know, whatever they're into cheese, food, whatever. <laughs> they did all these things. And, then they still placed each type of water in there, one laced with um, drugs, one without. And they went to the one with water. Yeah. Like they tried the other one, but then they were like, eh, eh, I'll go back to this one with water. Yeah. And so the the TED Talk was talking about how it, it really um, posed a question of this idea of like addiction being chemistry based or is it community based? And I didn't finish watching the TED Talk, to be honest, but I, I thought that first five minutes of it was really incredibly interesting. I'm not saying that I do not believe that it's not chemical based yeah. um, because I know that it can be, you know, for example, alcoholism is genetic or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Addiction can be genetic. Yeah. But I think that it really showed how important community is in recovery. Yep and having a support system. And for you to reveal that in the third paragraph of that statement, I think what has been happening for you the past year is that you have been strengthening this community that is that has become even more welcoming to people who might be dealing with these issues yeah. and that they can immediately see you and enter this community and feel safe and yeah. not feel like that they have to protect a part of their self because yeah. they know you as Matthew, as Mr. Domestic is welcoming of all those things. Yep. And, and I'm that not let anyone in that community that's going to do harm to them. Yes. And, and because you are no longer hiding any part of yourself, yeah. they don't feel like they have to either. It's really great. It's, it's amazing. There just needs to be in the world. I feel like so much more emphasis on community yeah. and any way people can build it for themselves and make it strong and make it impactful is making the world better. It and is. for you doing this, I know in the grand scheme of thing, it seems like a small thing, but I know looking at your comments and seeing how people love you and love what you do that the impact is incrementally growing and expanding every day. And I think that is so generous and it's, it's, it's generous of your time, especially knowing you work a 
full-time job on top of this to see the amount of joy you display and it's just a generous thing to give someone that place and we need more of that in the world and i love that you're doing it and i want you to keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it thank you so i wanted to lift you up for a second thank you Uh, (laughs) that means the world because i don't know i don't know how i don't pay i don't pay attention to how i'm perceived or any of that but really it's like everything i do is is it stems from gratitude i'm so grateful to these people like i don't know where i would be i don't like when i started it i was separated and in a dark hole and then this community one by one as they entered lifted me up and got me out of it and it's like this is the best way that i can show how grateful i am is to to create a space for them that i'm gonna fight for them and thanks i'm all like i'm gonna need a nap (laughs) (laughs) Um, question okay so uh, you know i know you started out with quilting but you also have all these videos of so many other techniques so many other things yep if you had to choose between one form of crafting, what would it be and why? <laughs> You're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not answering. No, nobody's going to put baby in the corner. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to make my, I mean, if I had to choose one. I love that you're actually looking at all the stuff in the background, like all the fabrics, like, oh, oh, how would it feel? It's so hard because I feel like they're all intertwined. Like, I don't see them as, like, separate. They all go together. Um, I'd say if I I would be colorful projects. I don't know. Like, I'm, what, this is what's happened with my Mr. Domestic Journey, just to be fair. Every year, there's something I just get, like, hella fixated on. And right now, it's crochet. Like I even designed, I'm a fabric designer. I designed a fabric collection around crochet. Before that, it was quilting. Before that, it was fabric weaving. Before that, it was clothes. So right now, the one that I, I, I go to, I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but the one that I go to is crochet. That's the one. But talk to me next year. It's going to be different. I can assure you that. Um, <laughs> but that, Because I just, it's like layers on top of layers that they all go together. So I don't know what next year's layer is going to be. I don't know. It's going to have color. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I can tell you love color by your designs and (laughs) what I see in the background. Everything is bold and beautiful. Um, Out of your videos, let's say a newbie, someone who's never sewed before, like they have one of those hotel sewing kits. That's literally all they know about sewing is perhaps sort of mending stuff. Where would they start on your page? Well, I mean, if if you if you don't know how to use a sewing machine, I have a I have a video that shows you how to like thread a sewing machine. So there's that. But if you do and you want to get into sewing, the best one is uh, my easy zipper pouch one. It's a 20 minute zipper. I think it's the most popular on my page on my YouTube channel. Like when I did that, it blew up. It was the first video I had that that blew up. And like the number of people that didn't know how to sew and also didn't know how to sew zippers that were able to after that video blew my mind. I was just making a video on making a pouch, but like it's, that's the perfect entry into it. That's what I'd say. But all of them just start at the beginning and play them through. Make sure that AdSense money comes to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's 
It's like a penny, folks. It's like <laughs> make sure he gets that penny. <laughs> penny. Look, that the world is right. I mean, at least the United States, we're running out of coins right now. So and we don't have any coins. Important. It's important. Give me a dollar. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I would just suggest just come on board wherever you enter the Mr. Domestic community. If I'm not there to, to greet you, someone will be that will help you learn what you need to to get you on track to creating um, amazing projects and crafts and bringing joy into your life. Like, it's not just me, it's all of us. Um, I learned so much from my community and I'm glad that they learned from me. So yeah, just come anywhere, come anywhere. Yeah, I have to share really quick my lack of sewing experience. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. which is why I enjoy also watching your videos. Cause I'm like, Oh, that sounds in there. Like, <laughs> just sewing. I just can't like, I, I, I am, it, it is on the bucket list to re to, to go back in there and give it another college try. But when I was in high school, my, first of all, my mom is a huge sewer. Um, she sewed, made some of our clothes for us growing up. Um, my ballet skirts, my sister's prom dress, curtains, pillows upon pillow, you know, she loves it. So when I was in high school for me, I thought, oh, it was going to be easy because I saw my mom all the time, cutting right. patterns, doing stuff. And I took this costuming class. I went to performing arts high school and I had to make like a, I had to make a costume for myself for like a show I was going to perform. I was so excited. And I went to Joanne Fabrics and picked out the fabric and got the pattern of this wonderful sundress. Matthew, that sundress. I couldn't finish making it. I could not. I remember there was one part of it where it was like a, the curve of the side of the dress. I kept trying to sew it on the sewing machine. I must have tried like five times to the point where everybody in my class was almost done with their dress. And I was just trying to sew that part. I got so frustrated. I just brought it home and I was like, mom, can you sew this? Right. <laughs> she did it in like 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> was that the last time you sewed? Was that, that was the last, last time? time I sewed. I was like, well, that's it. Like, cause in the beginning of that costume class, they were like, great, we're going to do pillows. You know, they were like, we're, and I was like, cool. I made like pillows upon pillows. I was like, I know I've seen these. I know how to do that. And then it got to that dress and I was like, yeah, sewing ain't for me. Like it's not, it's not for me. And then when I first moved here to LA almost 20 years ago, we, uh, me and my old roommate, we had a friend that got really into crocheting to the point where she was like selling stuff to like Bloomingdale's and stuff. It was weird. In the early aughts, there was this, yeah, it, like I want to say around 2003, five, somewhere around there, there was oddly enough in fashion at that time, there was this weird like boom of people crocheting and like having high-end you know knitwear in stores yeah. and so she kind of saw this opening and she was kind of like just selling stuff you know the viewpoint of me and my roommate at that point was like easy money and we were like we're gonna get on this crochet board and we started crocheting and I was good at it but I wasn't necessarily in love with it like I yeah. think if I had probably done it a little bit longer, I, I could have, like, it was, it was cool to be able to, to do it, to be like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a crocheter or yeah. whatever, um, yeah. or, you know, a knitting, but like, it was kind of like, oh, what am I doing? Like I'm doing, I wasn't doing it for the passion. I was doing it to see if something could come out of it. So I say all that to say, like, I definitely, I think I want to revisit those things. I don't think I'm still quite in the place to do it where I'm going to just 
not give up. Like, I don't want to give up. You got it. Well, okay. I've got a couple questions. First question. Do you have something in your life that brings you joy that you can do? Um, I, yeah. Like I love, you know, I love decorating. Uh You know what you can make? You know what you can make with the sewing machine? Decorations. (laughs) (laughs) But on it, but real, like for real, a story that like, Oh, if you would have asked me 15 years ago, if I would be like, a sewing expert no i made for the, the one friend i made some curtains for her that were like 10 feet tall i couldn't sew a straight line to save my it was dreadful she spent so much money on the fabric but she hung them up um okay i was like oh that's really sweet they're dreadful but <laughs> after that i was done i was done and it was really just having a motivation for it that that got me like having a muse and and there might be a time where it's interesting i'm gonna um by the end of the year i'll have my online school up and running so Hey, come on, come on over. Yeah. That was a decision I made when my YouTube channel was hacked. Um, that at that point, one, I was like, I need my content and I need to protect it. The thing that bothered me the most was what my channel was used for those two days that I was forcing political, like disinformation that bothered me. Cause that in itself was not protecting my community. And right. the only way I can do it is if I control like where they are. So yeah, I've been, I've been dragging on that, but now I'm I'm putting more energy into it. It should be up by the end of the year. So that's awesome. I mean, so you can come subscribe. You don't have to take the classes. You can give me like ten dollars or whatever a month. That's fine. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding, but for real. I mean, like I'll be around if you ever want to get into something. Just ask me. Like I'll help you. There are people that will help you. Oh, Trust. You. you want to be a part of this? Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on <in. laughs> So I know you, like you said, every year you have something you're into. You're into crocheting this new yeah. year. Yeah. What is something challenging about crocheting that you still feel like you are trying to tackle? Um, like there are some stitches that I still need to learn. Like I know like four or five of them and I can pick it up pretty, but they're like the more complicated stuff. I kind of want to make like curtains and like really fine, like doily lace kind of stuff not that I'm into that I would probably give it away but like just to be able to do that I think is cool yeah like clothes I want to make clothes I don't care I'm gonna have some crochet granny square shorts I don't care what people say right (laughs) so (laughs) but really it's like you just learn and then you just keep trying to figure it out but there's so many videos like to learn stuff nowadays so um what do I need I mean I'm making some bags see I'm sorry they can't see it but it's cute See my, my bag I just made? Oh, that's cute. He's showing me a crochet bag with a, it's a blue crochet bag with a frog, a crochet uh-huh. frog coming out of it. That's cute. But, but, but that's the whole thing with me is that like, there will be something. I don't know what the next one is, but that is a question. Can I do it? Is it hard? Oh my gosh, it's so hard. But then it's like, I want to figure it out and I just don't give up. I'm tenacious. I'm a tenacious breed. Like I just am. So in all aspects of my life. Do you want to, you know, eventually evolve into doing this full time or do you um, think like to keep it where it is as something? I'm, I'm where I'm, I will go with the wind with whatever it takes. My day job is also a dream job of mine. I work in HIV being a little gay boy in the eighties and nineties. I have a bunch of friends who died. Right. So it's been a passion and I'm, I'm working for the best company and like, it's what I do. So um, like from day to, from morning to night, it's like, dream i'm living my dream but the mission of mr domestic is so much bigger than that and what like if i could scale this even bigger like the bigger it gets the more people that are like 
a part of the community and get to like be a part of this so it's like whatever if the community wants to continue growing let's do it but i do know that now my business brain is on i'm making some money moves so um so we'll see we'll i mean i don't know that's all been very serendipitous for me so um who knows who knows what will happen but this is one thing whenever whenever i had that conversation with myself when i chose to be a lot more vocal like I went from like a five to like a 60 on talking about anti-racism that, that I knew that I could because of my job. Mm. Um, that was whenever I was still, I didn't know what was going to happen. That right. I was like, if me having this job that I know is super, is hella supportive, um, allows me to speak vocally in the Mr. Domestic space, then let's do that for the rest of my career. Um, but the, it didn't, it didn't like make the whole thing fall down. So. Um, who knows? I didn't expect five years later that it would be here. And now I'm on a pad podcast with you. Like, what's <laughs> that about? Like, so who knows? It would be cool. It would be cool. Right. Cause it's mine. Yeah. I created it. Yeah. You can go right? wherever you want it to, you know? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? It's exciting. Okay. <laughs> so for the end, let's, let's, where can people find you? Drop it all, lay it out on the line. L- lined lay it all um, out of the line <laughs> hey y'all just so y'all know she's recording in the closet with all her clothes it's adorable i wish you could see it do you have a picture of this somewhere let me screenshot it you can screenshot me look at take a picture where can people find me i'm everywhere so if you want to find me on the interweb all you gotta do is um google mr domestic but mr is spelled out it's M-I-S-T-E-R, domestic, because if you go M-R, that's a cat, and I'm not a cat. I'm a human <laughs> being. So um, YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook. I have a Facebook group. I do a little Twitter. I do a little Pinterest, but those are my three. And then I have my website and my blog, and then I'll have my online school. Just find me. Just find me anywhere. It'll be fun, I promise. Unless your happiness is based on the oppression of someone else. And then you can piss off and find another community because you're not welcome. <laughs> well, you heard it here. You ain't welcome. Don't don't even try. <laughs> Everybody else is. That's how it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Matthew. This was so much fun. Of course. Fun. This was super fun. <laughs> Bye. You guys, don't you just love Matthew? You know, I <laughs> I think the thing that stands out to me with this interview is I I love stories when people when people find themselves, when they become the person that they've been looking for. And I feel like that's what happened with Matthew. And I'm just so I I'm just I don't know you know, I feel like a mom in a way, like I'm, I'm so proud of him. Hearing his story, it fills me up so much. And it just really shows that when you find your passion, it really can take you anywhere. I know a lot of people say that. And I feel like Oprah says that. And it's like, follow your passion and, you know, follow your truth or your authenticity. But it is real and it can happen. And I think, He is just really an example of someone following who they were meant to be and really tapping back into that and coming into his own. And yeah, I love it. I love it. So yes, 
please, please, if you are so inclined after hearing Matthew's conversation, follow him, go to his website, sign up for his newsletters, go to his YouTube, check out all his amazing content, his awesome videos. Uh, he discusses how you how to start a business, you know, the tips uh, for creating a business like his. He, he also discusses all sorts of crafting and sewing techniques. And as he mentioned, he will be launching a uh, online sewing class. So definitely go to his website for info on that and find him on Facebook, find him on Instagram, find him on Pinterest. He's on all of those. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like now I, I do need some curtains right now. So, oh no, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should dive into making them. But then I got to buy a sewing machine. Maybe I can get one for Christmas. <gasps> oh, oh, that makes me so excited. While you're at it, following Matthew and liking all of his Facebook content and his YouTube content, go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our podcast and like it and give us a review, please. That would be wonderful. I love reading the reviews. Tell me what you love. Tell me what you want more of. Um, you know, I'm not going to turn down any accolades over there. So please, the more you subscribe and rate and review, the more people can find us. So uh, we can continue to expand our community and um, have more people like Matthew that will share their stories. So yeah, please do that. Go to my Instagram at Saudia Rashid or the podcast Instagram at that one blank friend. Um, you can find us there. You can find me on Twitter as well. You guys, I'm taking more deep breaths. Maybe I'll look into some sewing machines. Um, I do need curtains. Yeah, I do need curtains. All right, you guys. Until next time.